Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Crystal Clodcast. I'm your host Laura, here as ever with my lovely wonderful co-hosts, Mia. Hello. You threw me slightly then because you looked to reckon, you know, looked to me. So I was like, is it going to me next or is, is it going to go? I, I like to keep everyone on their toes. I don't want this to be a predictable affair. <laughs> I like that. I never even noticed you looked at me so that would have been funny if you'd have pointed at me and just been like... <laughs> so, Mia... <laughs> um, hello, you may know me as God on Twitter. And Retta. Hello, you may know me as Supareta on Twitter. Hurrah, and we are here again with another episode of the Crystal Clodcast. Uh, today we're on episode 16 and we are going to be talking about four episodes of Steven Universe. We're going to be talking about episode 75, Steven's birthday, episode 76, It Could Have Been Great, episode 77, Message Received, and episode 78, Log Date 7152. Uh, we discussed a couple of ways to deal with this batch of episodes. Um, we decided to do four episodes basically we finish season two here, and we go one episode into season three. The last one we discussed today, the first episode of season three, is basically an epilogue to season two, and it's right before a double part episode that is the real sort of kicking off of season three. Yeah, it reminds me of season one in a way, in that the first episode of season two is more of a kind of, let's deal with the aftermath it, of Exactly. The it, so. it, feel, it felt more appropriate to tie it into the end of season two than the beginning of season three, but also season three starts with a double parter, so we didn't really feel like we should probably wait and do that as its own separate thing. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have, at some point, we want to talk about all of the Steven Universe shorts, because there were a series of shorts that happened between seasons two and three. As, in, as we... in short episodes, not a pair of shorts. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, a series of short episodes, like mini episodes, uh, that we... They air between seasons two and three, I believe. We are going to talk about probably the season two shorts and the season four shorts all together at one time at some point, I think is the plan. All I can think about now is just a literal pair of shorts. Are you picturing the pair of shorts from this batch of episodes where Peridot has the boxes with yes, the aliens yeah, on? Yeah, I'm just imagining us all like holding a pair of shorts like, well, I like the stitching along this line. <laughs> so the the mini episodes uh, for seasons two and four will probably do together on... If there's ever a week that we're in a bit of a rush to record, that might be when we're like, hey, here's where we discuss all the shorts this week so we can have a short recording episode. So when that episode arrives, you know that we had a very busy week. Yeah. You know, we, we've so far managed to not miss a week on this show, but occasionally life just happens. Yeah, we've come close. We've come dangerously close a few times. I, bet, I think there was a, a, the last episode we had up, I'd announced we weren't having a Clodcast that yeah. week, and then we did, so... We always, it's just kind of like, you know, when you're watching the TV show and it looks like everything's going to fail and at the last minute they come through, that's what we do. Yeah, we have a great plot twist sometimes. Yeah, we just want to keep it exciting. Yeah. It's because we are the Crystal Clods. We always save the day. And <laughs> if you think we can't, then you might well be right because this is a bit of a ramshackle organisation. Um, so let's probably start off uh, with our episodes of the day. So first up is episode 75, Stephen's Birthday. Does anyone want to start us off? I can begin. So this, they're still the barn, and they're celebrating the birthday at the barn. And we see straight away that Peridot is not joining in. She's kind of getting on with the drill. Yeah, she's she's not really connected to what's going on. It's like, uh, it's a birthday, I don't know what that is. The drill is kind of important. 
let's stick with yeah. that. Is this her only appearance in the episode? That that beginning when she browns uh, the corner? I believe so. I think she's like present in some background shots, but I don't think she actually does or says anything yeah. of note in the episode. I think she has no dialogue at yeah. all. Yeah. I think it's it's intended to be a deliberate setup to the start of episode seventy six when we get there, where it's Peridot does not see the the reasons to stop building the drill to do things that are enjoyable, yeah. Which is like the whole point of next episode, which is why they set it up here with, oh birthday, no, not interested. The drill needs doing. Yeah, because really this whole arc is kind of about Peridot's motivation and how she sees herself in relation to the gems and yeah. kind of going from that outsider to part of the in-group. Like, she's she's working with the gems here, but only because she wants to not be blown up on the blown-up <laughs> earth and therefore she's focused on the drill, which, to be fair, is probably a higher priority than the birthday. You could probably put off the birthday party a few days. Yeah, like, you wouldn't want the cluster to explode because they spent too long kind of, <laughs> well, we want to watch the sunset, we want to have a birthday party. Well, it's meant to be a weekend deal as well, so it's kind of like... Mm. It's very, a very low pressure, really. Considering how, like, the next episode of this we record will be about the emergence of the cluster, <laughs> um, like, they were cutting it very fine. Yeah, oh well. Um, but, yeah, Stephen has a birthday, and Connie comes over for the birthday on the condition that her overprotective parents are allowed to send her with every piece of medical safety equipment. Mm-hmm. conceivable. Which includes a defibrillator. Yes, which can just, you know, stay in the car, it's fine. Um, so this is where we get, like, we've talked about this in the abstract before, but this episode is where we first get to talk about the fact that Stephen doesn't really age. Yes. He is 14, yes. but does not look 14. So we've discussed Stephen's age a lot, and we've always been like, we think he's a bit younger than this, we think he's a bit older mm. than this, and we've never really had a number to put on it, but... Stephen is 14, and Connie hasn't yet turned 13. It tells you something about her age that she describes herself as 12 and three quarters. Yeah. Like, she is definitely very much a child still. She's Yeah, she's aware of, like, of exactly how old she is compared to the next Yeah, year, She's the not a teenager yet. And no. Stephen, in theory, should be, like, 14. You're... You're in your teens. Yeah, well, she clearly is surprised to learn that she's the younger of the two. And yeah, not the older. because Stephen's the yeah, more immature, the goofy, yeah. silly, not caring about, you know, where his life's going. He, he, I've said it before, he acts like he's about nine sometimes. Mm. Well, we see here. He also has a squishy chub face. <laughs> that's true. It's when he turned eight that he gets the appearance that he's still got. Yeah. So he hasn't changed since he was eight years old. Mm. So, Connie is understandably concerned when she realises Stephen isn't ageing, and a lot of her concern seems to be born out of this idea of, I'm going to grow up and my best friend isn't, and what does that mean? And that's understandably a difficult thing for her to process. Um, We get the information that Greg was 22 when he met the Gems. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. That fits in with what we've seen. It does. It's also, I think, the first time we've actually had like confirmation of an age that Greg existed yeah, at. 22, true. like early 20s does seem the right age for going around the country trying to make it as a rock star. Yeah, mm-hmm. which it puts his age now at like, what, like 40 maybe? 40 something? You'd imagine he's 40-ish yeah. in, in his 40s probably. Because um, his son is at least 14, which makes him at least 36 if he had his son 
the same, like the year (laughs) he met the gems. But let's say he'd known the gems a few years first. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much of it is me head canning, canning it, canning, canning, you know, canning, canning, yes. Um, But I always see Greg as having known Rose for a few years. Yeah, he in the the video to Stephen. from him and Rose, he seems older than he did in like a comic. Yeah, well, he's bald, being yeah. that point, isn't he? So, so you would assume he's either, like, at the very least, we can say he's either side of thirty, yeah, uh, of, of forty. Yeah. He's he's just a little either side of forty, probably. Mm. Um, so I like that we do get a nice continuation of this whole camaraderie between Greg and Connie that we we said when it first turned up we like oh this never really goes anywhere yeah, it, it does <laughs> it does it does pop up yeah, in little directly places directly kind of um, the high five with the human yeah. beings human beings mm-hmm. human beings <laughs> it's it's nice that they have this shared thing yeah. over we are human and they're gems and there's a lot of things we don't understand it's okay yeah we've got each other in this crazy mess yeah and um, i did like that we kind of get an implication that it seems to have occurred to Greg that Stephen's not aging normally. Yeah. He, he's, he doesn't have to kind of come up with a theory. He's kind of like, well, he's half gem, so he's don't he's, really know what's going on. He's sort of come to terms and just accepted <clears throat> that it's the case, but I don't think he's ever acknowledged it or talked to Stephen about it. Like, Stephen's just not really thought about the fact he's not aging. Yeah, definitely. I definitely get the vibe with this, that it's never occurred to Stephen that it's unusual. Well, that's it's one thing that kind of makes me sad in that Stephen was never paranoid about his appearance and his age until he overhears Connie being concerned about it. It's a really understandable concern he has is the, again, it's the mirror of Connie's. It's what if my best friend grows up and I don't Mm -hmm. like, what, what is the way he describes it? When when she becomes the president, what am I going to be? The first boy. Mm -hmm. Um, Which also does imply that he sees them being a couple. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Like, I, That's the main piece of evidence people were using when we were saying, like, oh, Connie, Stephen, platonic. And they were like, no, first boy. Yeah, I don't know, but... this entire weekend makes it seem not platonic. I, I still think it's platonic. I think from Stephen's kind of innocent point of view... I don't think he's seeing himself as Connie's husband in the future. I think he's just kind of like, no, we're a duo. We do everything yeah. together. Like, she's president. I'm still there. But there are definitely undeniably some moments of like, oh, oh, is this going to be a yeah, thing? Yeah, the dancing but part is definitely I don't think he's. I don't think he's solidly thinking I'm going to be her husband. Yeah. I don't think he's thinking that per se, but I think that Connie definitely has... Some feelings there. I, I think that is part of it, is her worries of... Even if it's not romantic, is is it weird for me as an adult to be friends with a child? Will I be... I think there's part of it might be, will I be looked down upon for being like, oh, you're the weird adult with a child friend. <laughs> Possibly. Which is, that's an understandable concern. You probably well, don't want to be in that situation. It'd be even worse if it's dating the child yeah. friend. Exactly. That's... It's like, oh, Madam President's dating someone who looks like an eight-year-old. <laughs> I swear, I'm 26. <laughs> um, so Stephen is concerned, so he basically goes in the barn and stretches himself and lowers his voice and is like, yes, I am a teenager now. <laughs> Magical growth spurt. <laughs> When I was first watching this, I did think, like, okay, is this permanent? Is this their mm. way of kind of, like, the voice actor's voice is getting deeper, let's make it easier on him and kind of age Stephen up a bit. 
But it's no, it's just a one episode thing. But I am pretty sure that'll be the voice yeah. actor's like just normal voice. I believe it is. I believe he's yeah. just talking in his normal voice when it's he's just playing that whenever Stephen comes Steven. up, it's like, "Hi, I'm Stephen." We can we've talked about it before. You can hear the difference. Yeah. If you listen to like Giant Woman, for instance, and then listen to one of the more recent songs, like his voice is completely different. It it is interesting. Um, I think that would have been an interesting choice because we do know that gems can reform and permanently have new forms and it would have been an interesting solution to do something like that where it's like oh because steven's a half gem he doesn't need to bubble and then reform he can just reform and yeah. be a different age yeah he'd have to be popped first well, i do wonder if they'll ever pop steven i have wondered that but i'm like can he even be popped when he being light. half human yeah that's that's the question is it he has physical matter that might not necessarily come back. I th- I suspect he can't be popped would be my assumption. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future they do make it look like he's dead and then he's brought back through his journey. I I wonder if they're going to do something that would normally pop a gem and he starts bleeding. Would yeah. they show bleeding? But dicey that, with, it, it's um, dicey, but like, or they show him like clutching at himself, like uh, over where like a, yeah. a wound would be, and they're like, "Why aren't you popping and regenerating?" Well, it's like I'm human. This is what happens to us. Um, I was thinking if they did like pop him, like, would he come back all pink mm. as he's just a a light reflection? That would be interesting. My, would he lose all is... human matter? Oh, my my question: If he. The, the reason I don't think they're ever going to pop him is if he came back as a light projection, would he not come back as Rose? Because if he's not got mm. the, the human half of him anymore, isn't that just Rose? But and what that's if why it's I don't, changed it it's, forever? I don't know. That's why I don't think they're ever going to do that. He could lose his powers, maybe. Wait, why, what did you think of that uh, made you laugh? When I... I said, what if it's changed forever? And all I could imagine was um, Greg's sperm flying inside the egg. The, the, the gem. The gem instead of an egg and being like, that's how Stephen was made. Oh, God. I'm now just picturing um, the direct insemination of a gem. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a thought. That's, um, that's just what popped into my head, so, so I started laughing at my That's own okay. Joke. I just like that someone else is making the gross joke. This <laughs> so Stephen stretches himself into a teenager, and uh, Connie gives him a present. It's a shirt. It's too small. Ah, oh, mm. how silly. I'm just going to have to have it as an open open shirt. Mm. Um, Stephen very quickly has trouble holding his new form. Um, this shouldn't be a surprise. Steve, like a deliberate stretching out of the form is something we know already is like difficult to maintain. Yeah, and Amethyst implies that shape shifting is something that she has to hold in place. Yeah. Well, we already saw when she was reforming and picking like unstable forms. Yeah. Picking a form that's like drastically different to what your body naturally thinks it should be is a difficult thing mm. to do and, re- to, and remain stable. Yeah. But I also wondered if Amethyst has held a form for too long because she said you you can seriously hurt yourself. Probably. So like if say like if Amethyst held the form too long, would she eventually pop? I think so. I, yeah. I wonder if it's that or if she'd have trouble changing back from that form. And the thing I'm... The, the parallel I'm going to draw is Animorphs. 
Because I, I think used to love the deal with the animorphs, if I remember right, is that they could transform into animal forms, but only for two hours. And if they held their animal form for too long, they would be stuck that yes, way. Because isn't that how Tobias gets stuck as a bird or yes. something? Yes. Uh, fun fact, like weird animorphs trivia. Apparently, at some point, Tobias like learns the ability to transform to a human as yes, his animal, and he I, can I, become yeah. a human for two hours yeah, at a time. I do that's, remember that. That's a weird thing. But that, that got even weirder that plotline because isn't he technically like sort of the son? Of the alien animal from the beginning, yes. but only because of like time travel and like an okay. alternate animorphs timeline. Animorphs lore is weird. The important bit of animorphs lore is you can tra- you can change your form into something else, but if you hold it for too long, you get stuck that way forever. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, is this why Amethyst has a very childish form that when she tries to reform into other forms, she struggles to do potentially because she held a form too long? Oh, no evidence to that. That's just a. I see it more as kind of like, um, just like holding a pose that's uncomfortable to do. Like eventually she's just gonna like collapse from it Mm. and she's not gonna have the energy to hold it together anymore. Is it like sucking in your belly? Yes, kind of like that. Yeah, if you try to just permanently have a sucked in belly and just walk around. Yeah, then you're gonna eventually go. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually some dancing happens in the evening and. We get just this... uh, Garnet tries to encourage the two of them to dance. I thought here we were going to get fusion happening and that that was going to be part of the reveal of, like, how Connie would know this isn't how your form is meant to be. That would have been interesting. Yeah, like, oh, we're not fusing right because you're too focused on changing your form rather than combining to this form. you're, You're holding something back from me. Yeah. And that would have been an interesting way that they basically could have had the, um, what is that Stavoni song? Um, Here Comes a Thought. Here Comes a Thought. We basically could have ended up with the Here Comes a Thought themes mm. happening here in the, you're holding something back, therefore fusion isn't working properly. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. But instead what we get is, um, we get a quite a sweet conversation between Connie and Stephen, but it's also kind of heartbreaking. Connie's very like... Oh, I can't believe all this time you're older than me. You should sneak me into a PG-13 movie. Um, you know, it's funny that I have to look up at you now. Um, and Stephen's like, funny good or funny bad? And Connie says, funny good, and leans on his chest. And there's just this moment of, I think this is the guilt moment for Stephen of like, oh no, you like me more this way, but I don't know that I can hold this, but I'm misleading you, but also you prefer me this way. Oh Yeah, no. I think it kind of makes it worse for Stephen, because this is the point where he thinks, okay, I really have to keep this up Yeah, now. it's yeah. like, Connie prefers me this way, so I can't well, ever be myself the, the, now. The flip side of Connie prefers me this way is she would like me less if I turned back. Yeah. And that's the implicit, like, if I go back, she will like me less. Yeah. And that's a horrible thing and a horrible reason for someone to have to be someone they're not. Yeah, because, I mean, this could whole episode could kind of be seen as an allegory about being yourself and, like, yeah. people liking you better when you're trying to be something that you're and not. And you can't keep up acting like you are not yourself. Yeah, because that's the whole conclusion of the episode. That Why don't you yourself. let yourself just be whoever you are? Exactly. <laughs> Um, so Stephen goes and like unstretches himself behind the barn for a second, just like oh, I need to, I need to relax. If I can just keep this up for the rest of my life, everything will be fine. And Amethyst and Greg see what's going on. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting choice of people to have mm. discover this 
Because Amethyst makes sense. She does a lot of shape-shifting. It makes sense for her to be part of this. Mm. It's interesting for Greg to be aware of this and to not bring it up to Connie. Yeah, I think he's obviously alarmed by it, but I think he kind of gets what he's trying to do and wants him to... I don't know, like, maybe kind of, like, to gently stop him from doing it, maybe? I think he will also understand a lot more about doing anything for someone that you are attracted to despite the odds Mm. because with Pearl not Pearl Rose Rose I don't think he ever got with Pearl as far as I'm aware (laughs) but with Rose like he was so desperate to kind of fuse and things like that like he really wanted to be a part of her world but he wasn't Mm. so I think he on some level, even though he knows it's wrong, he still kind of understands where he's coming from. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, from here we get a very awkward conversation between Connie and Stephen. Um, they're both trying to name constellations, and Stephen's sort of, like, too preoccupied to get the very obvious jokes that are being made. Yeah, he, he can't relax and enjoy it. He's trying yeah. so hard to keep himself and together. He's he's not making the jokes back properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when they're notably awkward together, Connie still says, I'm thankful that we can grow up together. And this is the thing that's like got to be so heartbreaking for Stephen in that moment, is like, this is not what I enjoy our our friendship being. This is not the easygoing, relaxed, fun thing that I enjoy, but you're thankful this is the case, therefore I'll ignore the awkwardness and assume that it's not a problem for you because it doesn't seem to be, and I'll just, I'll stay like this because it's fine because you really like this. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to cringe at that line. Yeah. Like, it's just putting more pressure on him to keep this up. Yeah, But like, she doesn't know that he's lying about it anyway, oh, yeah, so... Yeah, but she doesn't, she equally doesn't ever stop to ask, what's up? There's clearly something wrong, Stephen. What, what's up? Yeah, you're, like you're he's really sweating and seeming really like, different. This isn't this isn't what we're normally like. Can you just relax and talk to me about what's up? Yeah, I, she's, she's, I think she's a bit too excited about like, oh, thank thank goodness that I don't have to worry about that yeah. thing I was worrying about earlier. I, I could see that. Um, at this point, Stephen becomes a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a pretty drastic change for Stephen. Stephen is just. A baby. Yep. Well, he has turned into an old man before. Yeah, like, I was on two minds about why this happens. On one hand, mm. I was thinking, has he kind of, for lack of a better term, broken his body by trying so hard to stretch out? Or is this going back to, like, episodes one or two, I can't remember which one, when it's like he's becoming the age that he feels like? And does he feel so helpless and so exhausted? His body's like, that. okay, you're a baby. Mm. I, I picture it sort of like an elastic band pinging back. Like, he's tried to stretch out this elastic yeah. band a bit, and he snapped it a bit too far, and it's snapped and sprung back to unstretched. I had a thought to do with that episode that you were just on about, Mia, where mm. he becomes old because he feels it. Um, is Is his age reflective of the maturity that he feels... I have wondered that. Because yeah. he feels more grown up once he becomes, like, to his regular age again. And, that, ta-da, he gets a facial it, hair. It does seem to be the case that his emotional state 
or internal view of himself and age and responsibility do play a part in his physical age. Well, you even said he's, he acts like he's about nine years old. He hasn't yeah. aged physically since, since he, he was, was eight, eight. Which makes... Okay, yeah. so I, I suppose what that would suggest then is that Stephen feels very, very helpless, immature, yeah. childish in this moment, which I suppose would be like, like, oh no, ah, panic, ah, get yeah, out of this. That's, yeah, that's the other way I'm mm-hmm. thinking of this, um, this bit. Yeah. That, that being said, Stephen, Stephen as a baby seems to be self, he still seems to be aware. He still oh, seems to understand what's going on around him, what people are saying. He just can't verbalise himself back. Yeah, I was thinking that about this scene, because obviously he cries a lot and seems very helpless, but he he does seem to recognise them. Mm. And there is a bit where he seems to be trying to he's talk. He's trying to talk, I think a lot of it is he's crying because he doesn't know what's happened or how to explain how he's feeling. And it's like, I, I'm panicking... It's an understandable reaction in that moment, but he does seem to try and talk back and he seems to be aware of the meaning of what's being said around him. Yeah. So it does suggest that he's just sort of physically a baby, but not mentally, Mm. which that's a horrifying (laughs) thought, being an adult trapped in an infant body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So in order to try and... there's a, very, patting my shoulder? <laughs> there's a very weird moment where Ratter is patting me his shoulder and I'm not sure what's up there. I guess that, that it's because of that time I went back in time and was trapped in a child's body. It's, it's a long story. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so Stephen won't stop crying, so Greg's solution is to try and do what, as a, as a baby, would stop him crying, which was take him on a drive in the, in the van while playing Let Me Drive My Van Into Your Heart. I have a question for Greg. Mm-hmm. Why does he still own an infant car seat? He doesn't. I the, didn't... There was, there was one in the back of the car that Stephen is strapped into. Yeah, it's Amethyst. I was just about to say... Oh, it, it, it is Amethyst. Amethyst. Okay, it's not immediately obvious that it's Amethyst. Yeah, it's only the end of the scene. Yeah, you're right that it... Yeah, I didn't put those two and two together. Initially, it looks like an like a standard car seat. And I was like, where'd that car seat come from? <laughs> yeah, it is Amethyst. I'm silly. But he is a hoarder, so it wouldn't surprise yeah, me if he did have yeah. the car seat. <laughs> yeah. So, probably... Oh, yeah? I just want to say something about Amethyst being the car sheet. Yeah. Car sheet. Car sheet. <laughs> well, um, when she says that Stephen needs changing, that means Stephen has pooped on her. Because mm-hmm. yeah. she's the car seat, her mouth is, like, right underneath <laughs> where his butt is. And as Stephen... Isn't normally a baby. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and suggest that they probably didn't have nappies or diapers or whatever you want to call them. So there's just going to be poop smudged all over Amethyst. What I will say here is that Amethyst does not seem to be the kind of person that is opposed to horrifically messy situations. This, yeah, this it's, isn't Pearl. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not Pearl. If there's anyone that's not going to be horrifically bothered... This is a weird conversation to have, but if there's any gem that wouldn't be too bothered by having fecal matter on them, it's probably Amethyst. Well, Amethyst... That's not a line I ever expected to <laughs> Well, Amethyst did say that she likes the feeling of uh, after she's eaten, what happens afterwards. Oh, God. Uh, think... are, are we going down the theory rabbit hole that Amethyst is into scat? Either way, she doesn't mind poop. Let's just say that much. Should we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> um... Oh, poor little Mia's gone really red. 
So we, we end up having like quite a sweet, sad conversation uh, around Connie in the van because Greg's instinct here is to be like, you shouldn't have to deal with this. Uh, what he says is, uh, I don't know. Look, Connie, let me take you home. I'll call you when all this gets sorted out. He's very much like, don't worry about this. This is not your problem. You can be friends with Stephen when Stephen's a, you know, standard person again. Just just don't worry about mm. it. Um, Stephen tries to baby talk and Connie says, wait, no, I want to stay. Um, I just want to be there for Stephen. Don't worry, Stephen. It doesn't matter to me what age it seems like you are. I want to hang out with you no matter what. Your dad still has his car wash and the gems have gem stuff to do, so I'll watch you when they're not around. I'll come see you after I'm done training with Pearl too. Doesn't that sound fun? And Stephen stops crying. It's what he needed to hear. What he needed to Mm -hmm. hear was, it doesn't matter what age you are, I still want to be friends with you. Yeah, like, I'm not going to leave because you're you're not aging with me. And I think this is why he eventually is able to just go back to the age that he was, is this, like, even if there is an age difference and she's older than me, that's not going to be a problem. And that reassurance is really important to him. It's like, even if she's an adult and I'm still like physically like eight, she'll still be okay with being my friend. Yeah. Because I'm still me. Mm -hmm. And that's really sweet. But it's also like, that's a big statement for (laughs) Connie to make. Like that's, it shouldn't be downplayed how big of a thing that is that Connie's offering to do to be like, my 14-year-old friend is trapped in an infant body and I will, I will like, look after them. Because, like, she's suggesting doing it while Greg works at the car wash and the gems are doing gem missions. That means, like, she'd probably have to drop out of school. <laughs> it's quite a commitment, yeah. She's... I don't think her parents would be too happy at that. No, but she's, like, she's seemingly suggesting, like, hey, I will drop everything I have mm-hmm. to to make sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. And that's really sweet and sad. Mm-hmm. Anything to add on that? Or I'm just... just imagining like the spin-off series now where it's just like Connie the babysitter and it's like <laughs> she's looking after Steven and like they have to go on adventures together and things keep going wrong. Yeah. Um, so the next morning, Steven has vanished and Connie assumes he's turned microscopic, but mm-hmm. he's actually okay and the shirt fits now. Yep, so he's back to normal. Except he has a facial hair. Mm-hmm. Because we... he feels older. Yeah. Like, we never see the facial hair again, and I don't know whether to put it down to... He shaves it. <laughs> we never Lord. see enough of a close-up of his face from the right angle. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it in different ways. Like, they couldn't be bothered animating it. It doesn't look very nice on the character design. Or, like, he shaved it off, he felt younger. You can explain Maybe he shaves every ways. morning now, because he feels so grown up with his one facial hair. Maybe you don't know. Maybe it's part of why he needs to use the bathroom in the Peridot episode. <laughs> he's going to shave his hair. He's going to shave his one hair. Um, so, anything else on this episode? That was me done. That's me done. Okay, so next episode is episode 76, It Could Have Been Great. Who Sorry wants to start this. us off? My paper rattles a lot as I it's have to turn I, it I, over. I figure the listeners are used to the rattling. Of I, I think they like the rattling, rustling of paper as if we're like, oh, look through our theories. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, I have through <laughs> research so, like, notes. Yeah, you're boring me, are you? Yeah, no, no sound. I, I can't make mine sound. In... There we go, That's research notes. It's because mine are just... It's fine, research notes. <laughs> um... So this episode starts with most of the gems enjoying a sunset on the hill and Peridot doesn't understand the purpose of stopping what you're doing to enjoy something nice. Mm. And 
the way that it is explained to Peridot is the song Peace and Love on the Planet Earth. It's an interesting song in that it's a lot of it is spoken rather than sung and it's more about the it's about the juxtaposition between Peridot and the gems and Peridot yeah. kind of starting to understand. Yeah, it, it initially starts with spoken word in rhythm and key of Peridot trying to understand the fundamentals of why music works. And her understanding basically seems to boil down to it's a predictable, um, consistent progression of frequencies is how like a, a set, like a... Sound wave? Uh, no, like a set of notes that run together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you've got a set of notes that sound good together, it's because they follow usually a predictable pattern of, oh, they're going like this, and she sees the enjoyment in being... seeing that pattern fulfilled to conclusion. It's a very logical... It's a very clinical view of music, that it's like, these notes go in this predictable progression, and then they reach an end point, and you completed them, and that's it. Mm. She was created to be an engineer. She is a very logical gem. Yeah, this is very far away from Meat Mop. (laughs) Yeah, I created a Meat Mop. (laughs) This this is her first Meat Mop. (laughs) It is, basically, Um, yeah. So, yeah, we... It starts off as Stephen singing like his sweet song that's very much about this arc of episodes. It's like, hey, life and death and love and birth and peace and war on the planet Earth. Is there anything that's worth more? Um, it's basically saying like the Earth yeah. as it stands with organic life has worth. Yeah, all of its pros and cons. It is it is a planet of worth mm-hmm. um, in its state. And Peridot, you know decides to take part and to sing along here and hers is a much more somber view of the planet i guess we're already here i guess we already know we've all got something to fear we've all got nowhere to go i think you're all insane but i guess i am too anybody would be if they were stuck on earth with you that's the line i really like the whole i think you're all insane and there's a pause and she's like but I guess I am too. Yeah, and she's so, blushing when she says it, that. Yeah. It's important to note, like, just for um, for ableism, it's not a great use of term. Like, insanity is not no, the term she means like, here. And I event occasionally slip up and use it, and I'm trying it's, to. It's all right. It's, I'm it's, trying to take it out of my vocabulary because I yeah. I'm aware it is an ableist term, and it's not. It's 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 a term that's often misused, and it's being misused here. But the intention. If you substitute that word out to basically mean what I think Peridot means with it here, of you're all doing things that don't make sense. Yeah, it's illogical. Bizarre. You're all bizarre. You're all illogical and bizarre, Mm -hmm. but I guess I am too, because, you know, I'm stuck here with you lots. Yeah, Um, what I'm doing is, is equally ridiculous. Yeah, but I think the most telling thing of what she says is we've all got something to fear, we've all got nowhere to go. And that's basically the Crystal Gems wrapped up in very two very succinct lines. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Pearl and Garnet look really uncomfortable at that. They kind of look at each other with kind of like the teeth bared, just kind of like, um... Yeah. Um, so we finish the song, the drill is finished, and they just need coordinates of where to, to go with the drill. One thing that I want to mention is um, Peridot says it isn't anything. And Stephen says, if it isn't anything, why does it feel so good? Oh. And, like, to do with that, I think that's kind of like, um, don't be afraid. Af- afraid? Afraid. Don't be afraid. Fred's a silly. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 
don't be afraid to express yourself and create things that mean something to you because create meat mobs create yourself some meat mobs <laughs> like even if someone else doesn't see the value in that it if it makes you feel good do it I, yeah. I think part of it as well relates to garnet sometimes things are not for purposes yeah. they are just because they're enjoyable and pleasant mm-hmm. um so yeah, it turns out there is a diamond base on the moon that can help them get the coordinates they need. So Lion warps them all to the moon. Uh, his motivation: no more naps. <laughs> yes, the, the idea of no longer being able to nap is what pushes him so, to help them. Lion is me. Considering that, like, Lion doesn't seem to need to sleep because he's a magical lion. It's interesting that he still likes naps. Because as we now know from the most recent Stephen Bomb, he was gen- genuinely just a yeah. standard lion once. And that presumably means he has a concept of what sleep is and he likes... He knows that he enjoys sleep from before. I take it to be similar, not the same, but similar to Amethyst in that Amethyst doesn't have to eat, which she enjoys eating, so she yeah. does. And, and she think- doesn't have to sleep, but she enjoys sleeping, so she yeah. does. And obviously Lion enjoys sleeping because it's a thing, naps are a thing he mm-hmm. presumably once upon a time did. Before he died. Before he died. Um, so Steve... Don't word it like that. <laughs> well, he presumably died. Yeah, we I know, but I don't want to think realize. about a poor dead lion. Thank you very um, much. So they get to the moon base. Stephen can float, but the gems cannot. Yeah, interesting kind of information of the physiology of the gems. It's they adjust to the gravity of the environment that they're in. Yeah, they're they're light projections. They don't physically have mass, therefore it does make sense that they're not light isn't re well, you say light isn't affected by gravity. It is, but not on the kind of scale yeah. that Stephen leaping on the moon would yeah. well, be a factor. It says that their gems automatically adjust to the gravity of the planet they're on because they are made to invade other planets and therefore yeah. be on other planets with yeah, different I properties. Yeah, that line interesting. Like, the whole point of the gems is to colonise and invade. Yeah. They're not created to just sit on one planet. Yeah. Which backs up the kind of, like, far-fetched fan theory of, like, someone made the gems as a weapon. Yeah. And now the gems... It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we get our first... Actually, there is a nice line before we move on that I, I really liked, which mm. is uh, Amethyst asking, why can't I be a moon boy? <laughs> like, yeah, she's kind hey, of Hey, Amethyst, you can be a moon boy if you want. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we start seeing the diamond murals here. And yes. this is our first decent look at the diamonds. Um, the diamonds here are described as the gem matriarchs. They are... Very much positioned here to be like, these are the ones in control of everything. Yeah, the way Peridot talks about them is almost to the level of worship. It, yeah, it it's is... It's like they're gods. Mm. Yeah, it is more than just like a, a person in charge of a government. It is, they are, they are, they are perfect. Yeah. They, I think she describes at some point in this batch of episodes that they are without flaws. Mm-hmm. Gems have pros and cons. Except the diamonds, they have no flaws. Um, Except for Pink Diamond, her cough cough shattered. (laughs) Um, As they're going up this tower, what is the blue orb they pass? I have no idea, but this interests the hell out of me. I know, they walk past a blue orb glowing in a column of light. 
And one of the gems says, like, oh, that's that's not what we're here for. Don't worry about it. Let's continue on. I have a theory about this. Mm. So that orb, to me, looks similar to the... I've, I've like, two theories crashing together here. That's all right. Go ahead. The, the mural of Blue Diamond, she looks like she's holding an orb. Now, is this the orb in the room? And is the reason that Garnet recognises it is because Sapphire recognises it? Another thought I had is well, that... Can I can I say something on that thought before we go ahead? Sure. Uh, the orbs she has in the mural, I view as the planet she... I was going to say, the, the other reading okay, of that is yeah. that she's holding the Earth, because it's the third orb. Yeah. So it could be the third planet being Earth. Um, and I wonder if that ties into what we were saying last time about the Earth originally being blue diamonds, not pink diamonds. Yeah, that, that's interesting, because you say the Earth being the third one... It is the third planet from the sun, but I never viewed the, the the multitude of planets she had there as like our solar system. I viewed them as okay. the number of planets she had conquered, because that's what leads for me the theory of when we eventually see Pink Diamond's she mural, has one, she yeah. has one, and it suggests that Earth was her first colony. Um, yeah, that's possible. And I don't think that the fact that it's the third orbs is supposed to signify third planet from the sun, but that's that obviously just my reading. Yeah, yeah. We don't know. No, yeah, obviously I'm not saying like this is definitely what I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, what I want to say is in the murals, mm. Blue Diamond doesn't have a hood on. She's no. just wearing like a, a tunic, I think they're called, when it's just like on yeah. one shoulder. Is it a morning, like I when people are morning? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also... Um, Yellow diamond look like looks like she's wearing a dress in her mural. Yeah, yeah. the design does look a bit different. Which mm. is interesting. And I was thinking, is that have they been popped and reformed? I imagine they've just chosen to redo their appearances. Mm. I mm. can't imagine them being popped without that being a big deal. Like I just don't know if like. Because can a gem change its form without having to pop and regenerate? Well, possibly these ones can, because they're perfect and without flaws. <laughs> also, like, the fact that Berylet describes them so much as being flawless leads me to believe they've never been popped, because if something can be popped, it has flaws. Unless that's just the message that they tell everyone. Yeah. Mm. If, if they've been popped, it's not a thing that's widely known, I imagine. Mm. Um, so, there is a white chair designed for a diamond with a white diamond-shaped... Uh, diamond in the armrest. I've never stopped to think about this before, but I did have my moment of wait. Is this for white diamond? Yeah, I wondered that as well. Like, there's nothing to su- other than the color. There's nothing thematically to su- suggest that this would be white diamond controlled, and you would think it would be a much bigger deal if white diamond had been here. Yeah, it seems to be potentially diamond controlled. Um if not white diamond, judging by the size of everything. It definitely looks diamond-sized. My question, perhaps, is was it not intended for white diamond to use, but was it intended to contact white diamond? Because we know it was used to contact the diamonds. Mm. And Peridot, when she uses that that diamond communicator thing, seems to select the colour yellow before activating it, which suggests she's picking a diamond to contact. Mm. So while it could contact any of the diamonds, was it perhaps intended to report back to White Diamond on the progress on Earth? Possibly. I could see that. That that would be my guess. Um, mm. We see a map of the Earth. <laughs> Russia is gone. Yup. Um, my favourite theory I've seen about this is 
Russia at the end of season one when Ruby and Sapphire run fuse and it's clear that they're lesbians. Russia basically like made Ruby male as to avoid hints at homosexuality. And the theory goes, the Steven Universe crew's um, response to this is, right, we're just going to wipe Russia off the map then. I have heard that, and it, it is where I went at first. I, I don't know a better theory. Well, I looked a bit closer at the map this time, um, and Africa is notably smaller as well than it's supposed to be. Ah. And I remember reading somewhere that there was a quote from someone about how the kind of timeline of the Earth's history is different because of the gems interfering, like, versus our timeline. Mm. And I wonder in that, if, in that case, if, like, Russia literally doesn't exist in that world because maybe, like, a weapon got detonated there, like, in the gem war. I think it was a ruby. That's my, my, my theory is that Russia existed and was destroyed, and I don't know why I think that. But in my mind, Russia was destroyed right. in this continuity. <laughs> I'm curious if they ever follow up on that. Yeah, but there is definitely a big smoking crater where Russia should be. Yeah, the ocean fills out where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, So we we finally get our sort of look at what would have happened if Homeworld had not been fought off. The Earth would have been hollowed out. Mm -hmm. It would have been covered in spires and things, and there would have been crazy glowing energy arcs around it. But ultimately... It would have been an empty shell of a planet. Yeah, and we also get confirmation here that the ruins and the buildings that we've been seeing across the series are created by the gems, mm-hmm. but they're only a fraction of what was supposed to be. Five percent. Yeah. And Peridot, she's infatuated with what she sees. She's like, "This would have been beautiful. Why were you stopping this? This would have been perfect." And it, ma- it like doesn't she say it makes the most sense? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because. I can see why she comes to this point. It's from from an architectural, like, engineer's perspective, it is an incredibly efficient use of materials to create something yeah, big. Yeah, it's, it's, again, yeah. if you don't see any value whatsoever in organic life, yes. then this is the and, efficient and correct cause. And it's, it's really sad, because this is the moment where Stephen realises, I thought for a second you understood that there was value in things that couldn't be quantified when you... You wrote lyrics to a song. You understood that there was value in something unquantifiable. Can't you see how that abstracts out to Earth? Yeah, you can see his faith in Peridot he, is destroyed. At he still time. tries to protect her. He he tries. He steps in front of her and tries to sing "Peace and Love on the Planet Earth," <laughs> and tries to like he very shakily sings it. But I think he's trying to remind the gems, like, look, look, she she got it. She she understood there was a value mm. in singing. It's it, she's okay. Don't don't. Yeah, because the rest of the gems are enraged. They want to turn on her so quickly. Well, one thing that I've noted, um, just random, is that. There was supposed to be 89 kindergartens. Yeah, but as far as we know, there's only two. Yeah, there's yeah. only two that we are aware of so far, mm. anyway. Um, and when they show, like, the um, hollowed out earth, the gems all look horrified. But Stephen covers his mouth like he's going to be sick. Okay, that's cool. I mm-hmm. did not notice that. Great. Unique biological reactions because he's a physical being. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and as they're leaving, Peridot attempts to steal what we later learn is that sort of diamond communicator. Mm-hmm. Stephen is aware of it. He doesn't speak up at the time. No. 
because as we see, he gives her a chance. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of. I think he's just really hoping that she's not going to do anything with it. Because mm. there are potentially ways she could have used it to benefit the crystal gems, and I think part of him is hoping that maybe, maybe I'll give her a chance to explain it, and she'll be like, "Oh yeah, I have this. I'm planning to." Contact the diamonds and tell them that the cluster successfully detonated and that Earth is no more and it's fine. I, yeah, I took it to be that he knows that it's probably being taken for a negative reason, but he's like, I'm going to give you a chance to come clean, explain what this thing is and why he took it. Yeah. Well, well you might even think that she might be giving it to the gems. Mm. Like, he, he, he tries he tries to trust her I think he her. wants to trust her but yeah. he doesn't he does look really dubious himself though he's yeah. kind of like I want to believe you in this but I'm not sure I know I do. shouldn't but I yeah. want to also Garnet is freaking terrifying when she picks up Peridot and like then she does the fist she magics mm. on the fist and Stephen says stop Garnet it isn't worth it like, it's not worth it. If she doesn't get it by now, she's never going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to beat this lesson into her. Yeah. Um, so that's everything I had on this episode. Me too. Uh, next up is episode 77, Message Received. Um, this this follows very, very suddenly after the last episode. Uh, Stephen knows that Peridot has something she's hiding uh, initially, he doesn't ask her about it. He asks her instead about the diamonds. Um, and the way she talks about the diamonds is um, interesting. I have some of it up as, as a transcript. I don't know what the others have told you, but there's a reason the diamonds are in charge. They're objectively better than us. Every gem has their strengths and weaknesses, but not them. They're absolutely, totally, completely flawless beings, especially my diamond, yellow diamond, the most perfect, the most reasonable, rational, efficient decider ever to exist in the universe. Um, it sounds more like she's part of a cult. It does. It's it's blind following of a leader, assuming that they can do no wrong in spite of their actions. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that Yellow Diamond, who we're now sort of wondering, could she have shattered Pink Diamond later on, we're wondering... Um, She's described as the most perfect, the most reasonable, rational, uh, rational, and efficient. A lot of those words, I, I don't think that Yellow Diamond. I, I'm suspecting maybe Yellow Diamond wasn't the one to shatter Pink Diamond, but if she did, describing her as someone who is above all rational and efficient suggests perhaps she might have done so in a "I'm detached from feelings." This is the thing that needs to happen in order to reach these goals yeah. m- kind of motivation would make sense it's, to it's, Yellow Diamond. Yeah, because it's the behaviour that Peridot is showing here and we see to be trying to show, where it's like the end justifies the means, like you it's all dis- about efficiency. Yeah. It's, it's like The end result is the only thing that matters. Yeah. But as we have s- oh, well, we haven't technically seen it yet, but we have in reality like, outside the podcast terms, um, in What's the Use in Feeling Blue, we see that Yellow Diamond feels a lot more than she's willing to admit. Yeah. Because the whole thing is kind of like, we need to start looking forward, don't dwell on it. Like, we need to not feel about this. It doesn't help. 
but she's like clinging kind of like if she was human she would be white knuckled clinging to the edge because she's clearly feeling a lot more than she wants to let on if you watch her body language and her Mm. facial expression in that song she's clearly really torn up about what happened but she's not letting herself feel it Mm. so yeah Stephen manages to distract Peridot by claiming that Yellow Diamond is behind her and grabs the communicator from her um, he then child locks her in the car. Which Peridot is distraught at. Yeah, it's like, oh no, Earth's most treacherous locking mechanism. <laughs> I am trapped. Completely imprisoned. And like, she never stops to logically think about, okay, this is a mechanical object that humans have made. I understand mechanical things. Let's work this out. It's much like when Stephen threatened the twirled up towel as a weapon. It's oh no, you've told me this thing is a thing and I believe you, therefore... Yeah, she believes the literal um, description. Yeah. I was thinking, with them being so literal, does that mean the gems can't lie or they're not made to lie? Maybe. It's we've, like humour's not a we've, thing in gem society. I think humour's not a thing in gem society, but we've seen gems be deliberately deceptive. Yeah. So I don't think that they are incapable of lying. But maybe it's... They, they don't see humour in in breaking of literal yeah, terms. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, being non-literal is something to be used as a tool of deception as opposed to something enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Stephen gets frustrated. Why do I keep sticking my neck out for you? Uh, Garnet responds, uh, you offered her a lot of your trust. Um... I thought it was really nice, Garnet, saying that because everyone else is kind of like, oh, God, she stole the thing. What is she thinking? But Garnet's like, you did offer her a lot of your trust. She's basically saying, are you okay? I understand yeah. that she has betrayed we, your trust and in this. it's very telling that she's the one to do that yeah. because she's the one who had the arc about um, being very upset about misused trust mm-hmm. and yep. putting your trust in someone who abuses that trust. Yeah, it's basically saying you didn't do anything wrong. Because it didn't turn out the way you it's, wanted it it's to. It's reinforcing the sardonics are. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I also liked, um, just when Stephen locks Peridot in the car, she turns just into a blob with eyes. <laughs> like she's just yeah. a shadowed blob with eyes. And it's just, it makes her look a lot more evil and menacing than she actually is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen, like your mother, you have a little more patience than the rest of us. I think it's a bit more than a little but yeah that's what i said it at the time i was like it's got a lot more patience than any of you yeah so um peridot builds a robot out of presumably pieces of the car to escape the it's car it's the robot from before isn't it yeah it's the robot she used to fight pearls well that's what i was wondering is is she, did she remake her like how did she get out the car to get to it? Did she dismantle the car partially? I assume, like, um, we know that she finds the horn while they're talking. Mm. So I took that to be like, she's messing with the car and trying to find a way out. Uh, she probably got through the window, I guess, and then mm. got back into her robot. Ah. Oh, sorry. I, I know she kicked her at her. Yeah. I know that she pulls the car door off because that's what she throws before she throws the actual car at them. She may have dismantled oh, okay, the the car door because yeah. that's what was locked, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, ha, I got rid of the lock so this can't happen again. <laughs> yeah, so Robot Perry gets the communicator and Amethyst goes, uh, helps them chase, <laughs> chase in the Amethyst copter. Uh, 
I do wonder how much of this is because earlier in the show she she um changed her form into dogcopter and maybe learnt then yeah. oh I can not only fly as a functional helicopter but being a helicopter is quite fun and cool. <laughs> you must like she must have to know at least partially how these things function in order to... The physics of how she turns into a functioning helicopter is confusing, (laughs) and I don't think it's worth... Like, I wrote down, helicopter amethyst, so many questions. (laughs) Uh, Um, I don't think it's worth going into, but it is confusing. Yeah, I'm just like, do you know exactly how they work? I think part of it is she, she makes the same, like physical shape and then uses gem magic. I like that. That it's the, the the magic that powers Amethyst helicopter is the same way the washing machine works. Yes. Uncle um, Grandpa did it. Uncle Grandpa did it. Uncle Grandpa like before he left off screen was like Amethyst, I grant you yeah. helicopter power. Yes. That's um, that's what I believe happened. So um also, I must point out that the Amethyst Copter very much reminded me of something out of Family Guy for no for, for some reason. Okay. The Peter Copter yeah. from Family Guy is. I, I am not familiar. It with is this. pretty much the same thing, where it is a helicopter with the character's face stretched out as the front of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. This reminded me of the children's cartoon from the nineties. Budgie, the little helicopter. Oh. oh! He was a helicopter with a giant yeah, face. Yeah, that's, that's, that also works. I don't know if that was British. I feel like it was British. It might have been American. Maybe. Who knows? Um, so they catch up with Peridot and Stephen is furious. I trusted you. And Amethy- uh, Peridot does not care. She activates the communicator. We see our first look at Yellow Pearl. Mm. Anything to say about Yellow Pearl? She's so snooty. Snooty is the perfect (laughs) word. (laughs) I thought that her voice here is very similar to regular Pearl, but they're all voiced by the same person. Yeah, but in future when we see the other Pearls, the voice is she's not quite like this yet. Yeah, they seem to. Oh, I'm so snooty, Pearl. (laughs) She's kind of established more of a unique voice for them, but here it just kind of sounds like normal Pearl. Yeah. Um. So. Initially, Yellow Pearl, there, there is an assumption that maybe Pearl knows Yellow Pearl. Uh, yeah, I said not all Pearls, not know, all each pearls know each other. Hey, it's racism chat time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, like, I find it really telling that Yellow Diamond doesn't even look at the screen. She just goes, which paradox? Yeah, she's, she's incredibly dismissive when she first turns up. She doesn't have time for this. She's above all of this. She's... Mm-hmm dismissive she's uh the ends rather than the means oriented um it's she clearly has no respect for paradox yeah Yeah. like she makes whoever's calling have to say their facet 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 uh, yeah facet and cut before she will even acknowledge them yeah she's kind of like which one you're gonna have to be this is our first demonstration of where peridot got her attitude towards pearl from is this idea of you're not uh, like Pearl is not an individual. She is Pearl, facet blank, cut blank, and she's that specific one of many. And yeah. it's this sort of view of which it's almost like a serial number. Which is, yeah. which production number are you? It's like you're a thing. Not yeah, you don't have a name. You have a descriptor, mm-hmm. an identifying number. Um, Peridot is incredibly apologetic. Um, she tries to explain why she's doing this, 
And Yellow Diamond just cuts her off mid-sentence. She doesn't even care about, like, why she's being called. It's like, you're behind on your mission. How's Earth? What's going... Like, cut to the chase. Don't try and do pleasantries with me. Um, She wants to know, how is the Earth? And where is the... Like, why is there organic life? Where is the Jesper I assigned you? Why aren't you calling from from my ship? Like, she's like, what... How does this apply to the mission and where are the things that I sent mm. to Earth? Not the people, the things, my possessions that yeah. went to Earth. It's oh also... yeah, because it's the Jasper, it's not where is Jasper. Yeah, the, the Jasper. Jasper, my ship, yeah. It's, yeah. it's all very impersonal. It's like saying the bodyguard, it's mm. like... It's not the name, it's yeah. what they were. I I think it's really telling that very early, very early on in this conversation, Peridot already isn't ratting out the gems when given the chance. This Mm. whole conversation is really interesting because we see across it, the more time passes, the more conflicted she becomes about this call. And I think it's because the gems are treating her nicely, but she's realising, like, once she's seen, like, the gem, uh, that people can treat you nicely and take you as an individual, it's highlighting to her how much she's being dismissed by Yellow Diamond here. I also get the feeling that she doesn't normally correspond... Not correspond. Communicate. Communicate directly with Yellow Diamond. Oh, definitely. Like, Yellow Diamond is this symbol in her life rather than a person she directly Mm. had contact with. Um, So I think that's why she she didn't realise how poorly she was being treated because she's never had to speak to her directly. Yeah. Because, like, she always does the logs and I think that's how she does her reports too. Yeah. In that she's going to, like, send that voice recording report back to Yellow Diamond so she doesn't and have to. I think that's why it's the ship was destroyed by whom? Uh, it, it was destroyed by no one. There was an accident while we were landing. It's, she, she has this moment of just, like, wh- why am I ratting them out when they've been nothing but nice to me? Yeah, she lies to Yellow Diamond yeah. to protect them, which is very um, significant. And Yellow Diamond's response is, I'll inform your manager of your incompetence. That's one thing that I've I've written down. Well, my, the actual way I've written it down is, inform manager, who dat? <laughs> <laughs> who dat? Um, I would assume... New paradox, who dis? We saw, we saw blue agate at one point. I, I would assume there's agate, a yellow yeah. agate that she was reporting probably. to, yeah. probably. The agates seem to be the kind of They're drill t- sergeants. They terrify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yellow Diamond wants to know about the status of the cluster and um, Peridot's like, you know, it'll emerge shortly and Yellow Diamond dismisses Earth's value. We'll finally get some use out of that miserable planet. Um, There'll be a ship heading to your location to take you to your next assignment. Like, you'll just be straight back into work. And Peridot tries to stop and be like, look, I want to... Like, she tells Yellow Diamond what to do. Mm-hmm. She's like, I believe we shouldn't terminate the cluster. Like, saying, I think you're wrong about what to do. I'm... And Yellow Diamond does at least first ask why. She doesn't completely shut down Peridot. Yeah. Like, well, I think I... that's because they know that Peridot's are... Engineers. Yeah, they're they engineers. They I need to be very logical. I think that's it. She doesn't shut down Peridot initially, even though she's you know, talking to someone above her status and really shouldn't be telling her what to do. It's like, you are an engineer. 
why shouldn't we do the cluster? Yeah. Like, what have you found of material value on Earth that would be destroyed that we need? Yeah, like, you must have a good reason for this. Yeah, like, she does give her a chance to give a reason. And Peridot explains the organic ecosystem creates resources unique to this world uh, that have potential that we shouldn't destroy for a geo-weapon and that Peridot has plans to utilise the planet without disrupting the local... No. Don't care about potential and resources. I want my cluster and I want that planet to die. And I thought about that. Is that Mm. because Rose was so attached to the planet and they think that Rose shattered Yellow Diamond? I thought a different way is if Yellow Diamond did shatter Pink Diamond, does she also want her planet destroyed? Is there something inherent about Pink Diamond and Earth were both the problem? I was on the same sort of wavelength, but I was thinking more that... Um, she could just be thinking, this is the planet we had all that trouble over, and like Blue yeah. Diamond is still obsessed with this planet, can we just blow it up and then it's or, gone? if Yellow Diamond was involved in the shattering of Pink Diamond, this is the planet that probably holds evidence of what yeah. happened, let's just destroy it now before anyone finds this evidence. Yeah, it's, it's, There's, it's different ways to look at it depending on where you fall on the who shattered Pink Diamond. Yeah, yeah. I still think it's going to have been Blue Diamond. I think it's blue, yeah. Well, so. it could also be then that she doesn't want Blue Diamond to be reminded of That's what I was saying, Pink that's Diamond. what I think. Yeah. I think. I'm thinking back to the, like, what's the use in feeling blue? And the yellow diamond could just be thinking, if we just get rid of this planet, that blue diamond is constantly thinking about, and, and she won't be obsessing over. over it anymore. Yeah, it's, it helps her move forward because we just there's, remove there's it a lot time. of readings of this. Yeah, mm. um, so uh, I want my cluster to, um, and I want the planet to die. No, gasp face. <laughs> uh, yeah, are you are you questioning my authority? I'm questioning your objectivity, my diamond. Peridot is trying really hard not to outright say you that I, I won't obey you. It's like, I think that you are not having all the facts and therefore can't make an objective decision from here. Yeah, she's on that line. Between she's trying like, her best not to say, you're wrong and I'm right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I am not interested in the puny thoughts of a Peridot. Yeah, that's the thing as well, a Peridot. Yep. You have disrespected this channel with my time and your presence and would do well to shut your mouth. You have failed at every stage of this mission. Your only chance to redeem yourself is to obey this simple order. You are to leave the cluster to grow. It will tear the earth apart and I will take immense satisfaction in erasing that hideous rock off of our star maps. Is that clear? And Peridot says she won't do it. I can tell you with certainty that there are things on this life worth protecting. But what do you know about Earth? Apparently more than you. You. Claude. It's such and a good moment. This is where we get the, the, the yellow diamond face that was going around the internet yeah, after this. I, I she was a meme for quite a while after that. She was a meme. Um, I, I think this goes really well into... Was it you that brought this up last week, Retta, about Claude being a, a clump of Earth? Yeah! Like, that is the worst thing you can call the top of the diamond hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It's, you are not a perfect, pristine, clean-cut, perfection gem. You are dirt. <laughs> Which presumably nobody has ever dared that, to tell that is Like, when you think about it, that is an incredibly big insult to mm-hmm. throw upon this person. Yeah. Like, that is probably the biggest insult you could use for a diamond, mm-hmm. to call them a clod. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I noticed during the scene as well that you can hear um, lots of organ-type music. Yeah. Which is what we hear as the intro to... What's the use of feeling blue? I never realised that you hear I know, that. it's because I was like, oh my gosh, it sounds yeah. like the beginning of what's the use of feeling every, blue. I don't know if we've talked about this on the air. Every character has an instrument that seems to be in the background. We have. We once got it up and read through what Did we do that then? on air? I, I knew so, we did yeah. it, but I didn't remember if it was on air. You, if not, you can always look it up on like Reddit. Um, there is a master post of every character seems to have a musical instrument that is part of the background music and occasionally the outro themes for episodes involving that character or scenes involving that character mm-hmm. and it seems that organ music is that for yellow diamond now i've got the beginning of what's the use of feeling blue in my head such a good song it's just with the pills going it's just like why i'm looking forward to um, that's your fault yeah. we'll, we'll get there yeah. um that it's it is one of those songs that just didn't hit me at first. But yeah, at first I was kind so of much. like, I'm not too keen on this. It's, it's initially very like not polished and it's very like awkward and stilted. But that's because like gems really aren't designed to be creative with music. That's not their thing. They're not meant to feel. Well, yeah. I, it's like that whole scene is supposed to be unsettling. Like yeah. Stephen and Greg are in the room hiding. It's yeah. these two diamonds talking. Plus, There's a load of know, pops, rose quartz floating around yeah, the room. The, the diamonds haven't yet learnt how to make meat morphs. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yellow diamond and blue diamond know nothing about meat morphs. If they, if they had just listened to Peridot and not destroyed Earth, Earth could have taught them about meat morphs. Mm-hmm. And they could have, you know, made a slightly less unsettling song. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, a meat morp class now. Like, all the gems are just sat there taking notes. Yeah, Peridot, like, teaching about meat morps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the end of the episode is, I'm a traitor to my homeworld. No, you're a crystal gem. And we just get this nice moment of, no, you're one of, you've, you've, you've done it now, Peridot, you have... There's no going back now. Yep, there's no going back. You're trapped on Earth now. Have fun. I really (laughs) like that moment. I remember at the time, not expecting, but hoping that um, when season three started, they would put her in the intro. As Mm -hmm. like, she's now reluctantly part of the Crystal Gems. I'm I'm so glad that this stuck. Yeah. Because like, this was my worry initially is, is she going to like betray the gems again but she's no she's a really solid part of the crystal mm, gems now yeah that's it and i'm so happy that's a long-term thing and i'm so ready for say jasper to be a crystal yeah. gem because that yeah. that's going to be the next yeah, one absolutely but steven has to uncorrupt her first yeah well mm. he he can bring people back to life so, so I'm i would wondering... assume he could do that i think that's where we're going yeah and jasper's last appearance was bordering on sympathetic yeah yeah because steven was kind of horrified as well just kind of like oh he, god he tried what is to, happening he i i reckon he if he'd been allowed to he could have prevented the corruption yeah but we'll get there um so that's everything i had on that episode me too same so next up we have episode 78 log date 7152 now, uh, there's a weird inconsistency with the podcast here. Um, since that last couple of words I said, we paused and have restarted the episode because Retta had to mysteriously vanish to go deal with Crystal Gem homeworld business or something. So uh... I, was, I was tempted to just start and be like, oh my god, Retta just vanished. Let's continue. 
<laughs> yeah, there were a few ways to do it, but I'm just like, no, it's fine. We paused. Retta had to leave for something. Uh, me and Mia are going to be doing this last episode mm-hmm. without Retta. Oh no, this is very sad. Well, due to our amazing editing skills, usually you know I can't tell when we stopped the episode because we do occasionally stop the episode. Yeah, we have like a nice uh, hand signal where we do two hands up if someone needs to stop for something mm-hmm. and we'll pause and restart. Yeah, but, like if someone needs a drink. You know, uh, amazing drink. editor that I am, you can never tell. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you're very experienced. You must have edited like hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. I dread own. to think how many podcasts I have edited over the years. It's a scary number. It's more than me. I'm only on like maybe 50 edits, I think. I know I've edited at least 130 episodes just of Podquisition, 100 <laughs> episodes of the Indie Haven podcast. Okay, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot. That's like not counting any other shows I've edited. So that's, yeah. that's a few. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So this is uh, this episode. We may not have much to say about because it's a lot no. of these things happen. I have very few notes for this episode. Like my memory of this episode was kind of pretty much dead on what this episode is, which is this is a really fun episode. It's amusing and Peridot is funny and we see her kind of adjusting more to Earth life and that's kind of it. And then the end is interesting, the very end, but otherwise... So I have some notes and I think for a lot of these there's not going to be much to say about these things I've noted. Feel free to just power through if if you're going into it. So it's a season two epilogue, even though it's the first episode of season three. Mm -hmm. Peridot emotionally flip-flops at first. She goes back and forth between... Oh my god, I insulted Yellow Diamond and ha ha, I insulted Yellow Diamond, I'm <laughs> yeah. so free. Oh no, I did that, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. Yay. Uh. She literally delivers the same lines, just with different inflection in her voice, like, yeah. to show that she's like not really sure how to feel about yeah. this. And this is where we get like the, the acknowledgement of the tape recorder as a chronicle of her descent into madness. Mm-hmm. She, she does not want it because she blames its existence on her mental downfall yeah i would say that because like this episode is essentially kind of told in flashbacks yeah because steven is listening to the tapes and it jumps back over like the last few weeks yeah so we go like all the way back to when she first got it which we see is around the time she had just reconciled with amethyst yes and then we kind of go all the way up to like okay she's like just in the yellow diamond stuff and that's where we are now. Yes. So the main things that happened during that time, Peridot pushes Greg off of a roof, <laughs> wanting to discover whether all Earth organic organisms could fly. Yeah, it's perfect kind of black comedy tone of this episode where she kind of just creeps up behind him, stares at him like, mm, okay, let's, let's see what happens. An and experiment. She just, she, it's an experiment that she could have asked, human, can you fly? <laughs> but she's like, nah, I'll push you. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot of empathy at this point. Uh, Garnet catches him, presumably because Future Vision, she knew where to be to catch him. Yeah, I think, like, we don't see Garnet using Future Vision in this episode, but there's lots of, like, she seemed to it's, know what was going to happen, yeah. so presumably um, she's using Peridot is an engineer, presumably means she's very predictable, because following yeah, predictable engineering type lines makes her easy to predict for Garnet. Yeah. Um, not all Earth organisms can fly, we learn this. Um... Peridot then finds uh, some clothing in a treasure chest. Which she still calls shirts. Yes, it's pointed out she doesn't really understand that shirts are a specific garment. She just Just knows that, like, clothing is shirts. So Mm. she finds some space alien boxer shorts that are adorable. And she's, like, trying to model them looking at her butt Mm. and be like, eh, eh. (laughs) It's quite amusing in the animation that she's kind of, like, pointing her butt out. She's got her booty tooch going on. She's kind of like, ooh, yeah. And then she's very embarrassed when she gets caught. Yeah, well, how did these get on here? <laughs> it's funny because Garnet, like, 
Ganon doesn't make fun of Peridot for it. Ganon yeah. gives her the thumbs up and she's kind of like, yeah, yeah, very good. You you spot those alien shots quite well. Yeah. Um, Stephen makes Peridot some Liminhancer stilts, <laughs> which is a really sweet gesture considering yeah. that they threw out her Liminhancers. And they're basically just cans. Yeah, she's initially very op- opposed to it. Um... But she ends up being quite sweet. She's like, she she yeah. likes being tall again. She misses being tall and she appreciates the gesture. Yeah, well, she plays out kind of like the fantasy of like, oh, yes, Pearl, I have gotten taller. Like, thank you for noticing. Oh, Amethyst, I will reach that from the very high shelf for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, Peridot tries to learn jokes and how jokes work, but she struggles because she doesn't know what a chicken is. Yes, she has no context what things are yes. which means the jokes why did the chicken sense. cross the road to get to the other side which is kind of a bad joke to start with anyway because it's it's hard to explain why yeah. that's funny mm-hmm. like it's kind of funny because it's not funny yeah it, it's, it's an anti-joke more than it anything it relies on already being aware of that joke setup it, yeah. and knowing where it's potentially gonna go yeah it's it's a joke that only is amusing if you understand how jokes work and the sort of subversion of like setup and then mm. subverted uh, response. Yeah, it's not a good joke to start with. It's it's not a it's 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 a joke about jokes rather yeah, than a joke that. in and of itself and you need to understand jokes before you can understand. I don't think that why did the chicken cross the road is a particularly funny joke anyway. <laughs> But in order to understand why it might be funny, you have to understand jokes. Yes, I agree. Um, so she doesn't know what a chicken is. Um, and even when she later does discover what a chicken is, because Amethyst transforms into a chicken, mm. she laughs and says, ha now I get why that's funny. Except she doesn't. Cause... I think it's just like, she, she thinks it's funny because Amethyst is running around being yes. ridiculous. And she's uh, like, ah, chickens are hilarious. Yes. Why did the hilarious being cross the road? Because that's what it did, because it's a hilarious <laughs> being. She doesn't get that it's a subversion of like the expected, yeah. unexpected ending of yeah. a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, she then gets obsessed watching a program called Camp Pining Hearts. I love this scene. It's absolutely hilarious. I would watch Camp Pining Hearts. It looks fairly good. It's very dramatic and cheesy, but yes. it, it seems interesting to me. Um, I do wonder whether it was trying to make a commentary on Homeworld Society when it's like, oh, but you're the yellow part of the camp. I can't, no, I can't be with you because yeah. you're on the yellow team. I do think this is a little bit crying breakfast friends again during the Sardonyx arc. Yeah. Where they're kind of very kind of subtly been like, oh, it's kind of Reflecting what's going on in a yeah. little way. Um, I do love that she then becomes obsessed with shipping the characters together. With one episode. She watches one episode <laughs> of the show for three days straight yeah. before creating shipping arcs. She's obsessed with the show but doesn't realise that there's not just this one isolated episode. Yep. Uh, and Stephen deliberately does not tell her there are more episodes <laughs> because not wanting her to get even more obsessed with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, we see kind of fast forward through a presentation that she gives and why she believes that Percy and Pierre are the perfect pairing. Yes, um, there's a lot of battle subtext mm. to their arc. They would make the perfect... But I want to find what she says now, because it's... I do really like that it mentions that like the pair that the show is pushing is um, heterosexual, and she pushes a gay pairing together. <gasps> I never picked up on that! That's... Beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's, it's supposed Percy to... Percy and Pierre. Yes, it's two guys that she wants to get together, but it's a guy and a girl that are kind of canonically getting together, um, from what she says anyway, which I find um, amusing. Oh, we did skip over something about Camp Pining Hearts um, when they go into to kiss, when Paulette and Percy go in for a kiss, which you are right, is a straight couple. Um, what is this strange ritual? Are they attempting fusion? <laughs> 
Um, no. Well, my dad told me during certain stages of your life... I think he's about to give her the talk. Yeah, I, I think it's the implication that he... Greg has given him the talk, and he's now going to give Peridot the talk. It's kind of like um, older brother explaining mm. to kind of confused little sister what they have realised mm. from the parents. Oh, things I'm picking up in the transcript that I skimmed okay, over. Okay, sure, go for um, it. Pers- uh, Peridot, like, talks at the same time as some of Percy's lines in the, the episode. Mm, mm. Um... If I remember right, Percy's problem with Paulette is that she's on the yellow side of the camp. It's the colour of war. Okay. Uh, Percy says, it's the colour of war, Paulette. Doesn't that mean anything to you? That's interesting. That's so obvious. Whichever, whichever side Percy... Uh, what was it? Percy and Paulette. Whichever side of the camp Paulette is, is the colour of war. Which presumably means that diamond is the okay. war diamond. Is because there's the green Canada flag, isn't it, at the beginning? Yeah. Is that Paula? Is she green? Is she representing Peridot, maybe? I mean, that kind of doesn't I work. I don't know. But... Um, I need, we would need to watch back over this, but whichever team Paulette is with, whatever colour that is, mm. is the, is the colour of war. Okay. Which I think is interesting, and I wish I'd picked up on that at the yeah. time and could have skimmed back to... Yeah, like, do, is one of the diamonds in charge of war, maybe? Yeah. There's a bit of me that's really tempted to be like, should we just pause the episode here for a second while we while we, uh, <laughs> we could work do. this out? We've already elaborated that we paused this episode before, so... Okay, I'm going to pause this episode here, and we will be back with a more uh, solid answer on this in one moment. And we are back, and we, we discovered some things from pausing. That was worth doing. Uh, I, I wasn't sure whether we were going to get anything from that, but, like, okay. 100%. Okay, so we went back and watched the initial scene of Percy and Paulette having their romantic thing, and they are very clearly coded as um, Paulette... Uh, is blue diamond. Is blue diamond, and Percy is yellow diamond. Yeah, because uh, Paulette has the blue scarf. And a blue diamond on her hat. And then he has a yellow diamond yeah. on his uh, shoulder, and... So, so blue trying yeah. to tell us something with that. Um, well, it's uh, either either way. It's so yeah. Basically, let's abstract Paulette and Percy as yellow and blue diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be blue diamond. Uh, sorry, yellow diamond saying it's the color of war. Blue diamond doesn't that mean anything to you? That's interesting. I don't know whether we take like it's the color of war. Is Blue Diamond talking about her own colour? Uh, uh, is Yellow Diamond talking about her own colour? Yeah. Or talking about Blue Diamond's colour? Because one of them is the colour of war. That's really interesting. That's a really big thing we didn't pick up on. Th- that ties back into like what we've been talking about before with um, Blue Diamond coming to Earth first. Did she come to invade? Possibly. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting thing. I don't know what to make of that, but... It seems uh, deliberate. I yeah. think they're trying to tell us what, something. You don't that. deliberately put two different colours of diamond on people's clothes, <laughs> like, accidentally. Yeah, which um, corresponds to Particularly when we've not heard anything about blue diamond and we've only seen yellow diamond. Well, we've, like, we've seen blue in the or, flashback. Oh, yes, yeah, so we've seen blue in the flashback. And we see, yeah, we've seen yellow in flashback as well, but we've never really met either of them. No. Well, this is... Um, so we've seen yellow through... The, the video um, screen. Yeah, and we've seen blue in the flashback, so it seems that it has to be deliberate that they chose blue and yellow for these Yeah, you'd, and, and diamonds on yeah. their outfits. Yeah. Like, that's not accidental. No. Um, Maybe there is more to this episode, then. <laughs> there is apparently more than we realised. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, I, if you want to keep talking for a second, I want to find the bit of the transcript okay, about sure, Peridot's sure. theory of matching people up now, because I'm curious if yes. there's anything in that. Oh, yes, because whether the pairing that she's putting is putting diamonds <gasps> together. If it's putting but... the one of the diamonds with possibly, is the, the, the other person pink diamond I, or something? That would be I'm looking for... <gasps> what if... What they're... colours are they on her chart? Oh, yeah, that we need to see. Oh, my God. Do we, we okay, again? we're going to have to pause again. We're going to have to pause again. <laughs> this is so fun. And we're back. We're going to acknowledge that we paused again there. We dug out some that was, stuff. Yeah, I don't know, like, how Ronaldo-esque we're going with this. Like, how, like, outlandish. Then again, Ronaldo is Ronaldo's usually, usually right. right. And this true. show does foreshadow things. Yeah. So, um, the interesting things that we picked up here. Um, first of all, the there is a chart. The mm-hmm. pink colour... Uh, square is not connected to anyone. So is that a reference to her not getting along with other diamonds? Is that a reference to her being shattered? I I don't know. Is it? It might be that she wasn't. Cons- she wasn't a part of the uh, like a, a built-in part of that other set. She was very new to this. Yeah. Well, we've speculated before. Like, did is Pink Diamond possibly got some sort of ties to the rebellion? Like, mm. was she killed because she was kind of moving away from the other diamonds. So, for me, the question that we don't have an answer to that would probably bust this whole thing <laughs> wide open, who is Pierre? Yeah. Because I'm going to I'm going to say hypothetically for the second that Pierre represents Pink Diamond. Okay. Um because that's the only other diamond that we are really aware of, so it makes the most sense to use them for hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. Um Blue Diamond/Paulette. Slash Paulette, the um Paulette, Blue Diamond, has no place in the camp's hierarchy. Blue Diamond had no place in the hierarchy? Was Possibly. Was potentially Blue Diamond, like, not an in... I have an idea. I yeah, go, go, what, go. What if it's not so much about, like, the hierarchy of the ruling class? What if it's, like, a relationship? Well, this is what I'm thinking. And... This plays into the theory of did Blue kill Pink to try and bring her and Yellow closer yeah, together? Yeah, like, is this because she was jealous? Did Blue kill Pink because... Yellow and pink were closer did, together. Did, did Blue feel left out of her position in the what we understand to be probably a polyamorous relationship between the diamonds? It seems so. It seems that the diamonds were just um, a, a, a one relationship. Yeah. So we have some other bits. Um, Pierre laid waste to the three-legged races. Now we assume this is a three-legged race, as in like the the activity at camp. Yeah. As soon as I hear three-legged race, I just think fusion. Well, that's two people that is, stuck together. That's a really interesting idea. I hadn't really thought about laid waste to the fusions. Possibly. So, is is this foreshadowing? Maybe like, does is someone going to fuse to fight Blue Diamond and get defeated? Possibly. Um, I think we're definitely getting um hints at a fusion as well between two of the diamonds because Pierre and Percy make the the strongest battle formation. Again, now, that, that makes you think diffusion. I, I would assume uh, Percy is yellow, so possibly yellow and pink might have been a very strong combat fusion. Yeah, possibly. Um, this is, again, working off the assumption that we don't have any evidence for that Pierre is pink diamond. Yeah, this is like those logic puzzles where like you've got to figure out who is who. Like, you have yeah. so Well, we have the information. Paulette is blue diamond. Percy is yellow diamond. Yes. Unfortunately, like... What I'm annoyed by is that Peridot never points to anyone on the chart when she says Pierre. Yeah. Well, if Pierre is... If Pierre should be the perfect pairing with Percy, you would assume that they would have a line connecting them. Yeah. On that chart. So maybe maybe Pierre isn't isn't Pink Diamond then, because there's no line 
on Peridot's chart Possibly. between between Yellow Diamond and Pierre. Yes, because it's Percy and Pierre that Peridot wants to be together. So, do I have to bring the chart back up? Potentially. <laughs> I I want to see who. Uh, so Percy is Yellow Diamond. I want to look who the yellow box is connected to now. Yes, okay. Okay, keep vamping. I'm going to do this like, okay, while do, we talk this time. Live. We're going to do this live. Uh, okay, cool. So I, I love how like we started this intending to laugh at Peridot going overboard with her charts and theories, but now we're the ones going overboard and analysing her charts and theories. Yeah, we're, we're, I don't think we're going overboard. <laughs> we're just, you know, getting there. Okay, sure. Uh, where is the chart? We're almost at the chart. This I, is <laughs> me trying to avoid creating any more, like... Dead air. We're nearly any, there. Any more awkward it's, overlaps. It's awkward because the screen is over my shoulder, so I can't talk it into the microphone and watch what's going on at the same time. That's all right. I think I've almost found the chart. Okay. okay. Here and Percy present the strongest battle formation. They destroy the camp. You got all this from one episode? No, I overshot it. You're going to hear some Steven <laughs> okay. Universe. We're breaking the uh, we're breaking copyright law here. Shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone that you heard part of a Steven Universe episode. Pierre, that is Pierre and Percy. Well, that's because Paulette likes Percy. Paulette? Ha! Paulette has no place in the camp's hierarchy. Now Pierre. Pierre is a brute. Pierre, like, waits to the three-legged races. Pierre and Percy present the strongest battle formation. They destroy Where's the chart? You got all this from one episode? It's... No, we overshot it again. <laughs> this is... You're now hearing how the how the sausage is made, as it were. <laughs> yeah, wish... <laughs> we probably should have paused. Oh, I... Uh, I had the thing up on screen for a second and then I lost it. I think we've definitely, like, shown enough of the episode now to definitely be in some sort of legal murky. Okay, okay. Uh... <laughs> this isn't just a picture, Stephen. It's a... Okay, okay, we got okay, it. Okay, we got it, we got it. So Yellow Diamond is... It's uh, blue. Uh, yellow, uh, what was it? Blue is Paulette, yellow is Percy. So yellow is attached to blue. Uh, is yellow attached to anyone else on the thing? Purple. Purple down... Yeah, okay. So, purple... Is these representing fusions, maybe? Ah, uh, because green could be yellow and blue. Yeah. Because... Orange could be yellow and pink. I could see that. And purple potentially being blue and pink. Mm, yeah. Yellow was into blue and pink. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm starting to confuse myself yeah, now. If I, I, I think now's the point we should probably move on and we I don't think we're going to get anything else out of it, which no. is disappointing because I thought for a second we might find like something else if we went I back to like it. I feel like there's something here. I feel like this is one of those things where in another hundred episodes or so... It's going like, to make it sense. It was right there in front of our faces the whole I, time. I, like, come back to this episode and be like, we we, we worked yeah. out, we cracked the code, we found where the code <laughs> we was. We knew it, kind of. We started, we've started deciphering the code. We, yeah. we, we worked out that the first couple of steps of the key are blue Paulette, yellow Percy. There's probably a video somewhere online that sounds down. Someone probably it. beat us to this. I'm, I'm going to look for that. It's it's irrelevant because we didn't read that theory and we still found it. So <laughs> We got here on our own. I feel like this is how the main character of like the Da Vinci Code must have been. It's like, oh, I cracked the first couple of letters of the code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did it. We're onto something. <laughs> we Ronaldo. owed <laughs> Does that mean a monkey's going to hunt us down now? <laughs> Um, and that's literally all I know about the Divinity Code. That's more than I knew. I thought that was a Steven Universe reference that I'd forgotten oh, no. or something. <laughs> all I know about the Divinity Code is that there's like a monk that hunts him down in it. Well, I think he like really pisses off the like 
Catholic Church. I watched that film once, I remember nothing of it. <laughs> um, so, we do find out something about how log dates work. Uh, log date 7152 okay. is, is this episode's log date. Mm-hmm. Um, judging by the consecutive log dates, uh, increasing by one uh, in the middle, the middle column, it yes. seems that the middle number works as a consecutive days column. Okay, so this is like the American date format where they Possibly. do it wrong and put the days in the, the middle. The day is in the middle, so like you could hypothetically like I if I was going to guess at a way that this would make sense, it mm. could be seven fifteen two could be the fifteenth of February twenty seventeen. Oh, okay. As a hypothetical date yeah. structure. Because the middle column seems to be days, and the other two columns aren't moving, which suggests that they are... Month and year. Month and year, or equivalent. Mm, like so, whatever the gem version of that is. Yeah. So, there we go. We learned something about cool, the date cool. structure of calendars in that's, gem that's, society. Um, useful, maybe? This, this is more than I thought we would get out of this episode. <laughs> um... Yeah, okay. like, I had three notes for this episode. I didn't think we'd be talking about this. This is the thing I thought we'd mainly be talking about is when we get to Garnet. Um, yes. Why are you a fusion? Uh, you're not doing anything. Well, I'm doing something. I'm stargazing. You can you can stargaze alone. I don't want to. Uh, it's very sweet. Apparently you can see Homeworld's galaxy from Earth. That's interesting. Like, Homeworld is in a different galaxy. Not a different system, but a different galaxy. Is that... Are we meant to take that literally? I assume we take that literally. They they usually use space terms accurately. Yeah, so it's Homeworld, like, in Andromeda, for instance? Like, it's it's the next galaxy over? I would assume so, and that's also, like, a Mass Effect gonna stumble across <laughs> Homeworld? <laughs> Maybe. The crossover you never expected. Yeah. Um, Garnet suggests that Peridot fuse with her. Uh, Peridot is flustered. Garnet is like, it's totally okay if you don't want to do this. Yeah. It's, it's like, you don't have to do this, that's totally fine, it's cool, and doesn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah, like, Peridot is down for it, but she's very nervous about it. Yeah, she she's nervous, and Garnet's like, look, we're not going to do a thing if you're this mm. nervous. It's I got cool. very excited on the scene originally, because I was just like, new fusion! I know, and <laughs> I still think eventually, like... Peridot's gonna fuse with yeah. Peridot was initially nervous to fuse. Lapis has her own reasons to be cautious about fusion. Garnet has her reasons to be cautious about who she fuses with. I reckon in that trio there's going to be a fusion happening. I agree. I think Lapis is definitely the one she I, can I think Lapidot is going to be the fusion. <laughs> Lapidot, I like yeah. that. Periz. Yeah, Lapidot works better. That could work. I I like Lapidot. I could see fusing with Steven as well. Yeah, I think... Periven. Periven. Steven-dot. I I think the next Steven fusion, I would put my money on Lars. Yeah, I could see that. I think in terms of, like, where the show is right now, trying to pair them as, like, a cool buddy team... Yeah. It would be uh it would be a nice exciting way to progress Lars. And Lars has had his character development now where he's no longer kind of putting on that act so much. I think he's much yeah. more on the same emotional wavelength as Steven. Or at uh, least more so than yeah. he's ever been. And the last thing we have on this episode is um initially Peridot still doesn't understand the appeal of fusion because she doesn't do it and she doesn't get her insight. And then Garnet very simply explains we're Peridot and Percy. And Peridot and Percy? Pierre and Percy? Pierre and Percy, sorry. Too many P names. Paulette, Pierre, Percy, Peridot. Too many P's. It's fine. They're, they're basically the same. 
Yeah, Pierre, we are yeah. Pierre and Percy. It's a cute moment. Like, she understands, she gets it. Like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, I understand a very strong, compatible relationship. Yeah, like you, oh, you that's what you are. Together. Also, I understand gays. <laughs> oh, you're gays, that's yeah. fine. Like, oh, okay, that makes much more sense. That makes much more sense. Yeah. Um, and then Stephen gets told off for listening to the tapes, gives mm. them back to Peridot. Oh, he's a future vision. Yeah. And we move on with the story. Mm-hmm. And I think this was a really nice way, even though it's the the start of season three it's a really nice way to wrap up season two yeah it is definitely like it's a lot of season two is let's find Peridot like now that we've got Peridot what happens next and to end on this kind of moment of like they're all on the same page they're all on the same team now they're learning to appreciate each other yeah oh it's so sweet it's it's nice that that's it for us on a new episode of the crystal Cloudcast. Mm -hmm. uh Next episode, we will probably be jumping, I imagine, straight into season three. Um, I don't think we'd be doing the... If, if, if we have a busy week, we might do the, like, a mailbag or the... Uh... Yeah. We've got a lot of emails, which is cool. Yeah. Thank got... you for emailing. Yeah, everyone. we have a bunch of emails. We're going to do another clo- uh, another uh, mailbag at some point. We're going to do an episode about the shorts at some point. We're going to mm-hmm. continue with season three, so... Thank you for listening. Uh, we should do self-promotion. Mia, where are you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at OmiaGod. That's where I hang out the most. I also have a website, which is MiaViolet.com. I also have a Patreon, and thank you to people who have um, signed up to that, I guess. Is that the right way of putting yeah, it? Yeah, who've, who've become patrons. <laughs> yes, that works. I um, admittedly have fallen behind a bit on Patreon content, but I'm going to... I have plans to uh, make up for my... If nothing else, remember to post this every week on your Patreon. Yes, that's a good point. Because it's a piece of content you I, make. Yeah, I'm bad at doing that. I kind of like save the Patreon feed for things that are unique or going to happen rather than have happened. I, I will say this now. Patreon is a place for people to support everything you do. So okay, like everything cool. you make, put through yeah. there to be like, hey, um, I'm continuing to make things. Thank you for supporting that. I shall do that. I shall. Yeah. Thank you for this. That's all right. We're doing live <laughs> advice on the show. Um, Retta's no longer here, but Retta can be found online at Super. Superratar, S-U-P-A-R-R-A-Y-T-A-R, mm-hmm. particularly on Twitter. Um, and we also have an email. If you would yep. like to send us an email, you can email hello at crystalcloudcast.com. Yep, thank oh, you. Oh, we also have a Twitter account. Oh, yeah, uh, at crystalcloudcast. I don't think we've mentioned that in a few weeks. We but... haven't. If you if you listen to this and enjoy us, crystalcloudcast on Twitter, go follow us so that we have an arbitrary number of followers and seem important. Yes, please inflate our sense of importance. Yeah. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Laura K Buzz. Thank you very much. Bye.